What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, as always, Jack Vita. We are back in action here on Monday, July 18th, 2022. I blinked, and we're already 18 days through the month of July. Things are happening quickly. We're at the All-Star break. Major League Baseball draft was last night, at least day one. We've got day two coming up today. And today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at where teams stack up at the halfway point of the season. Maybe talk a little bit about potential trades uh, on the radar. We'll talk who's in, who's out. And we're also going to talk about our midseason awards picks. In addition to that, we are going to talk about the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game coming up and who are our All-Star snubs. So we've had some great episodes the last couple of weeks. I'd encourage you to subscribe to the Jack Vita Show and log on to my site, jackvita.com, for more content. Last couple episodes, we spoke with the Dragon Slayer himself, Coach Ben Wade, a huge icon from Survivor and reality television. And a week before that, we spoke with Jessica McCain-France, a AAA baseball wife, former competitor on The Real World and The Challenge, and a strong woman of faith with a really inspirational, incredible story. Again, make sure you guys check those out, subscribe, and we're going to have more co- great content coming up soon. So today, we're going to have someone who I'm very excited to talk to. I've wanted to have her on for much of this season, and we finally were able to figure out a time to make this work. And she's someone who has a big passion for baseball. She loves baseball about as much as anyone I know. Very knowledgeable about the game. Uh, She typically gets up in the morning and before work, she's got a bunch of the game recaps on MLB.com or MLB.tv where she's watching the abbreviated shortened versions of the games. Um, So she's very tapped into what's going on. Huge Cubs fan too, all the way down there in Bradenton, Florida. We say hello to Tabitha Bingham. Tabitha, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So Tabitha, first things first, tell the audience, how did you become a Cubs fan and, and how much you've never been to Wrigley, but you grew up a huge Cubs fan in 2016 was a very exciting year for you as well. It was, it was yeah, it will go down and in the biggest comebacks of all of sports history. Um, how I became a Cubs fan, my family is actually from the suburbs of Chicago, so it's kind of in my bloodline. My grandfather has a picture of Wrigley right in his living room, you know, when they've, you know, he's been a Cub fan through thick and thin. He's always wore his Cub hat very proudly, so it's in my blood and my veins, and I have not been to Wrigley yet. I had a opportunity to go in 2020, but obviously with COVID, we didn't have, they can't have any fans. So I will get my time here shortly. I definitely want to see the renovations that happened with Wrigley and get a little, be a part of some history. Now, what is your favorite ballpark that you have been to? My favorite ballpark would probably be Dodger Stadium. That was incredible. I actually was there for it was Dodgers versus Cubs game. So, what year was that? Was it pretty recent? Oh, it was a long time ago. Long maybe two thousand nine. Oh wow! Yeah. So I got to Dodger Stadium in twenty fifteen, and that park I just love 
the well the the downside is the commute the traffic is absolutely terrible but if you're able to brave through the traffic and you get to the park they have these beautiful hills that you can see out in the outfield and it feels like you're in cooperstown or upstate somewhere it doesn't feel like you're in los angeles you're right i think the view is absolutely incredible and the history there was phenomenal so i like i said i got to be a part of history with the Dodger stadium and hopefully I'll get to Wrigley here shortly. And what's your favorite ballpark food that you've had a food item at a ballpark? Ooh, a Cuban sandwich at Marlins stadium. Ooh. Yes. That was pretty good. Okay. I went there Cubs versus Marlins too. (laughs) Cubans are great. I think I had, there's a really good Cuban uh, restaurant in Indian Rocks Beach that I went to. It was like Havana Harry's, I think is what it was called. And I mean, there are a lot of great food places like that in Florida, but Cuban sandwich, it's hard to beat a good Cuban sandwich. So when I get to Marlins Park, I will certainly be trying that Cuban sandwich there. Definitely. It was was pretty good. I had to get a second one. Oh my gosh. So good. I had last summer, I think... This is one of them. The one that I probably most interesting food item I've had was when I went to Cleveland last year and they had a hot dog. I can't remember what it was named, what they had a name for it, but it was a hot dog topped with uh, picante mac and cheese and Fruit Loops and bacon. The Fruit Loops threw me off. Yeah. How did it taste? <laughs> was it good? It was great. It was so good. Huh. Was it like this a sweet component of the yeah, dish? sweet and salty? Okay. What was it called? I don't remember it what it's called. I'll I'll find it for you. I'll send it to you. Okay. Right. I know you're yeah, I know you're dying curious. to go to Cleveland one of these days. I've been to Cleveland. I actually have I've been to Cleveland not for baseball purposes, but I saw the stadium and I have not had the opportunity to go to that stadium yet though. It's on my yeah. list. My list is to go to all 30 ballparks. Yeah, me too. Uh, Cleveland's a great sports town. The fans are incredible. I I liked Cleveland when I was there. It felt like a mini Chicago. You know what? I actually had the opportunity to go to a Cavaliers game when Le- LeBron was still there. So I thought that was kind of cool. I went yeah. in, I went in the winter time, so baseball wasn't around. So I got to see LeBron James, you know, doing his thing. So so. Tabitha, I know you were digging into the all-star rosters earlier today, and we've got our all-star lineup set. Unfortunately, there are several guys who probably should be in this game that did not get into this game. So I'm curious who was on your list for all-star snubs. We can go one by one. Sure. So definitely the number one that probably stands out to everyone is Dylan Cease. Yeah. I mean, he leads the American lead in strikeouts. He's a Cy Young contender. His last starts, he logged 58 innings with 79 strikeouts. You know, the only thing that he has an issue is with walks. He walks 11, roughly around 11%. But, I mean, his slider is so nasty, and he throws it, you know, 30% of the time. I mean, I can't believe that the guy that leads the AL in strikeouts is not an all-star. Yeah, he's probably been the third best pitcher in the American League this year behind McClanahan and Verlander. So he should be 
in the running to start this game and much, he's somehow not on the roster. It's it's strange. I mean, he's having a better year than Garrett Cole. He's having a better year than Nestor Cortez. Now, Martin Perez, the the Rangers have to send someone there. Oh, they they have Seager though. Uh Perez should be in there. He's having a career year, but I mean, Cease should be a priority over really everyone else on this team in terms of starting pitchers aside from McClanahan and Verlander. Yeah, definitely. So who um, else? Kevin Gosman. You know, you and I have spoke about this earlier. I thought that he was an addition. I was wrong. He has a 2.86 ERA and in 88 innings. I mean, he has the MLB best combined 3.7 war. I mean, he has the fifth best strikeout rate in all of the American League at 27%, and he's not an all-star. I mean, I just think it's absolutely crazy. It is crazy. Uh, He's another one that I had. Uh, Did you have anyone else for the AL? That is all. Okay. Yeah, a lot of my thoughts were concentrated on the National League, for that matter, actually. And really, with the National League, we'll just go right into it. National League, outfield is very thin this year. Outfield is extremely thin. The three guys who are starting in this All-Star game are the three guys who are deserving to start this All-Star game. Beyond them, I don't know if any... They're Honestly, I'd probably only have one more outfielder on this All-Star team for the National League. I would have Star. I'd have Starling Marte, and then I don't think Schwarber, Soto, or Happer. I don't think any of them are having what you look at as an all-star caliber year. Soto's having a down year. He's getting there, kind of on the star power. You got you want to see Juan Soto in the game. Schwarber does have a lot of home runs, so there's a case there. Hap is batting two seventy five with nine home runs. He, he was a few weeks ago, he had an OBP of 400, but it's dropped significantly. He's down to 364. And yet Ian Happ is using this all-star game as the biggest marketing chip he could ever have. He's His latest podcast episode was titled, Ian Happ is an all-star and his coffee business is selling all-star blend coffee at this point, Tabitha. Oh my gosh. He is a reserve though. So do you think he'll actually even get some playing time? Um, if he doesn't, he'll tell everyone he did. <laughs> Starling Marte is a reserve. Yeah, no, I, I said Marte. I said outside of the three starters, Marte is the only one that I think is really a true all-star in addition to those three. Um, yeah. I would actually, though, my point was, I talked about this a few weeks ago with Chad Vothering. They have, there's so many good infielders that got left off the team initially that I would just fill those outfield spots with more infielders. I don't care. Like put Tommy Edmond out there in the outfield. Tommy Edmond is top three in war in the National League for position players. He's been fantastic. Honestly, another one, Nico Horner. Nico Horner is batting. He's he's been the best player on the Cubs this year, and he's not getting the recognition as the other two guys who got into this game are. I agree. I agree totally. I mean, that guy could play outfield. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a stud. Yeah, Austin Riley, he finally got in. He's an MVP candidate. He played outfield 
he's he has played some outfield with the Braves. You could stick him out there. So for me, I'm just like at this point, just put the best players in there. I mean, I get the everyone who qualifies for the position, but <laughs> Chad was saying this a few weeks ago. He's like, he's like, I would just put Pete Alonso out in left field. And it, I kind of laughed at him. I'm like, you know what, Pete Alonso getting hurt. But now I'm sort of just like seeing what <laughs> I mean. Maybe that's a little extreme. Maybe Pete Alonso shouldn't be out in the outfield, but there are a number of guys who you could stick out there who I think are much more deserving and having much better years than the some of the outfielders who got in. I agree. I agree. I you know, you and I both know that I think a lot of it has to do with the star power of these players and obviously the people vote. And how do you feel about that? Do you think that we should it should be more like how they do it for pitching, you know, the coaches vote. Do you think the players should have some say in that instead of having the people vote? I'm a little torn on it because I think we'd get a better lineup. Like we get the guys who deserve to be there. If we did have the press and, or maybe not the press, but just like the, the players and the managers and the executives pick because they always do such a good job for the pitchers for the most part. I mean, they didn't get cease right this year, but um, at the same time, I mean, they want to get people to watch the game. So in order to get people to watch the game, they let fans vote and choose who's in the game. I think the good thing is we're evolving past the point where we value all-star appearances so much for the hall of fame, because I think people the writer i would hope at least that writers are considering if you if you make an all-star team it doesn't mean you had a great year it means you had a great first half of the year and there are a lot of guys who have a much better second half so i think when you're voting for the hall of fame you have to throw out all-star appearances and if you do that then i don't really care as much about if the fans vote or not because for the most part 90% 90% of the guys are probably going to get in the game who deserve to be there. And they're going to be some of these outliers. Um, but I think the outliers would also come if the fans did not vote as well. Yeah, what do you think? I agree on that. And I think, like you said, when you talk about the hall of fame, the first thing someone says, Oh, they were a 10 time all-star. That's one of the first things people say. So I agree. I think sometimes that should be not a decision into the hall of fame and, you know, making sure that you're actually looking at, you know, stats throughout their whole career. 100%. Tabitha, did you have anyone else for National League? Because I, I actually didn't. Horner, Horner, Edmund. Now, Riley got in. That's I had Riley, but he got in. Thank so goodness I, he got in. That was ridiculous. I can't believe that. Um, there are like six first basemen that are having all-star caliber first halves too. Uh, Josh Bell didn't get in, did he? No, Josh yeah. Bell did not get in. Josh Bell would be one. So Alonzo, Crone, Bell. Uh, then we got... Maybe Freeman just got in. Yeah, Freeman got in. He was another one. I mean, he's... He, Freeman's batting like 313 and he's got... He's hitting home runs too. That was crazy that, I mean, that's like, again, it's like, I looked at that three weeks ago and I was like, there's six or seven guys who could start the all-star game at first base in the national league. Like that is a deep position. 
And then we don't have much depth in the outfield. And I'd rather, in, in addition to that, like there's more star power too. Like Ian Happ is not a star. Kyle Schwarber, eh, Kyle Schwarber's kind of a star. Um, Sally Marte. Yeah, go ahead. I think he's deserving more of, you know, that he's in the home run derby. Yeah. Or if he ah. deserves being in the, the all-star game. Yeah. Um, We've got oh, there's uh, Brandon Jury from the from the Reds. He's probably having the third best year for third baseman behind. Oh no, maybe the fourth best because he's behind Arnado, Riley, and Machado. He's number four. He plays that. He's played outfield in the past. I'd rather. I think he belongs in there. So yeah, I think the National the Reds. <laughs> the Reds. I think that's. I mean, he's yeah. definitely underrated because of the team he plays for. He's going to be a good trade deadline chip for the Reds. They're going to trade. Well, we'll talk more about that a little later, probably. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, we've got something else to discuss here with the All-Star Game. I'm going to play a clip for you, Tabitha. This was Bob Nightingale on this show about a month ago, I think it was four weeks ago, this is what he had to say. The only thing I would change for the All-Star game, and I've said this for years, is to have a designation for guys who are on their way out of the game. They should be in the All-Star game. Albert Pujols should be in the All-Star game. So should uh, Yadier Molina should be in the All-Star game. I remember years ago with the, uh, you know, Tony Gwynn and Cal Ripken Jr. I think Ripken was voted onto a team, Gwynn wasn't. They were both at the uh, All-Star game. I always felt bad, like, hey, Gwen should be playing this game. People want to see the stars play, uh, you know, like Miguel Cabrera coming up, you know, in, in a year or two. People want to see him as well. So I would like to see a designation just for a, uh, a fan favorite or, you know, long-term service. So Bob Nightingale was ahead of the curve on this because Major League Baseball must have been listening to our show they gave Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera the legacy uh, legacy selection in each league. So both those guys are going to be in this all-star game and they're not taking up a spot from anybody. This is an additional spot that they created. What are your thoughts on this, Tabitha? I think that's a good thing, you know, to have. I think, like you said, you want to get these people out here that are kind of closing their careers and, you know, it's good for the fans. They can get interact with, you know, these players that they've been idolizing for a number of years. So I think it's a good thing. And like you said, it doesn't take up any spots from, you know, players. So why not have that? I think that's a good thing. I think it, you know, creates a good dynamic for the all-star game. And I think it, you know, it generates obviously money. I think it's great. I think it's a good way to send these guys off. This is Pujols' last year. And I wrote a piece earlier this year about how I feel like we have not been making a big enough deal about this because he is the best hitter of his generation. He's the best hitter of the new millennium in terms of guys who have never been linked to PED usage. He's been, he's the machine. He's great. And I'm so glad that he's going to be in this all-star game if there's one thing I would change, I would let him start the all-star game in the DH spot because Bryce Harper is out. Now, William Contreras is going to start and Contreras is having a better year. So if you want to talk about more deserving for this season, Contreras certainly don't want to take anything away from him. 
But could you imagine how fun that would be if they just let Albert Pujols bat four times in the All-Star game? I think that would be awesome. I mean, like you said, it's a good way to send these guys out. You know, he's much deserving to be there as anyone else is. And I think it's, you know, it's good for the game to, you know, send them all. And I think Manny Machado said something this year. He that did, yeah. They haven't been celebrating at each ballpark that Albert Polhos has been at. They haven't given him a standing ovation. And Manny Machado said something. And I had to agree with what he said. I think that he hasn't been getting the recognition that he deserves. He's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. And this is a good way to send him out and to celebrate all he's accomplished throughout his career. Now, they did not include Yadier Molina, so they ended up just giving one to Pujols. I think that's fine. I mean, there is a difference between Pujols, Cabrera, and Molina. Molina's a, a notch or two below those guys. Like Again, Cabrera is right up there, not quite at the same as Pujols, but he's in that sort of realm in terms of an all-time great hitter, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now, I want to go back. I did goof up. There are two more guys that I forgot to actually a few guys I forgot to mention for the all-star game. So I got a few more snubs. I found my list. Number one, Ty France. He's in it. He got in. He's an addition. Okay, good. That's why I didn't mention him. Good. Okay. So he got in. Let's see. Yeah, he did. You're right. Okay. Let's see. Did, did they add Logan Gilbert? They didn't, did they? No. I don't think so. Let me so check. two Mariners guys, I think I would have, I thought, I thought France should have started the game. Um, Logan Gilbert has been phenomenal as well for the Mariners. And then a couple on the national league side. So correct me if they did get in Carlos Rodon. He got in. Okay. I so he, get, he got in. He did. Yep. I'm seeing it now. That's and why then, I didn't mention him as well. So they job. made right by his wife, you know, his wife stuck up for him and yeah, she's mean, not happy. You know what? I agree. I mean, hundred percent correct. I mean, he's been dominating on the mound. So, yep. So he get, he got in. I'm glad you were more, pre- you were more prepared for my show than I was. So I don't great. think he's actually partaking though. Okay. And then the other one did, I don't think he did. Will Smith, the catcher, not not the pitcher, Will Smith, the catcher on the Dodgers, not the fresh prince, Will Smith, uh, not that Will Smith, but Will yeah. Smith. I thought he, I would have, I voted for him to start an all star game at catcher, too, for that matter. Wow. No, he did not. Yeah. I think defense. So thankfully, most guys did get in. I do think defense is a little undervalued these days. But what are you most excited to watch in this all star game, Tabitha? Or who? Hmm. I am most excited about where it's going to be located. Like I said, it's going to be at Dodger Stadium. I think that's going to be, you know, it's going to be a sold out event. It's going to be, you know, I think, you know, just this, I think the American League is stacked. I mean, both teams are stacked. I just think the American League always pulls out you know, the W. So, you know, me being, you know, an honorary Blue Jays fan (laughs) last year, I think, you know, there's, I think they have five all-stars. So all the Blue Jays, you know, uh, they have 
Alec Manoa, they have Santiago, Santiago Espinal, they have Vladdy, they have um, Jordan Romano got in. Um, did I, I say Vladdy? Yeah. Okay. Um, did I miss anybody? Bob Bichette, he got in. Is he a reserve? Yeah. And Bo Pichette is a reserve. So, I mean, they have pretty, they have six. Oh, no, wait, he didn't. I don't think he did. No. Yeah, he was, okay. Yeah, I got that wrong. He was a finalist, I think, and he didn't get in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, hasn't been producing as much as he was last year. So, I think he'll have a better second half. And so, I'm looking forward to just seeing, you know, representation at the Blue Jays. Level. <laughs> yeah, I think if the National League could just have a whole lineup of all those great first basemen, then I'd pick the National League. But I can't do that because they're not all going to the game. So I'm going to go with the American League too, for that matter. They usually always pull a W out. They they do, but the National League has won the last three World Series. So if anyone wants to use the All Star Game as the AL is dominant to the right now. The National League is a better league right now. It's deeper. I agree. Yeah. We'll probably get into that. But let's do first, before we go to kind of the standings and where these teams stack up, I want to get your get the pulse on the Home Run Derby. Uh, so we have eight guys competing in this Home Run Derby. We got Bracket. We got Schwarber, Pujols, Soto, Jose Ramirez, Corey Seager, Julio Rodriguez, Pete Alonso, and Ronald Acuna Jr. So this is a fun exercise that I'm inventing right now, Tabitha. We're going to have a home run derby draft. I'm going to give you the first pick, and we're each going to pick, we're each going to end up with four guys, and we'll see who's four ends up hitting more home runs. Okay. Cool. So I'll, get, I'll give you the first pick. I'll take Schwarber. Schwarber, and he leads the league in home runs, too, for mm-hmm. that matter. So that's a good pick. Uh, I'm going to go with the chalk here, and I'll just I'll take uh, I'll take Pete Alonso, too. He's he's cool. second, but he's great in this event. He's won the last two, hasn't he? He has. Yeah. So and he takes a lot of the thing that's great about Polar Bear Pete is he takes so much pride in this event. It's it's important to have your stars want to do these events because one of the things that's happened to the dunk contest in the NBA is the stars stopped doing the dunk contest back in the day, Michael Jordan and Kobe and Vince Carter and Dominique Wilkins, all these guys would participate in the dunk contest. And now you don't have the stars in the dunk contest and people don't care about the dunk contest very much anymore. So for Pete to want to keep doing this event, even though he keeps winning, I love it. I think it's great. I think so too. I think a lot of people don't partake in it because they say that it throws off their swing on the second half. You know, I, you know, you hear mixed reviews on that. I think it is good that you have somebody that wants to be there and you can tell, you know, he gets into it for sure. He has his headphones (laughs) in he's just, (laughs) you know, he definitely wants to protect that title that, you know, for the, the last two years. So he definitely is going to be a, you know, a force to be reckoned with. All right. Who's your next pick? My next pick. Mm -hmm. 
Pujols, Soto, Ramirez, Seager, Rodriguez, and Acuna. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'm going to say Seager. Mm. I mean, he's he was a Dodger. I mean, he knows that stadium. So I feel like I'm going to go with Seager. It's a good pick. I'm actually going to go with the guy that Seager is facing in round one in Julio Rodriguez, who... By the way, I mean, we'll get to our uh, award picks, but he's got to be the odds-on favorite for AL Rookie of the Year, and I don't see anyone close to him. And that says a lot, considering coming into this year, we were talking about this is going to be a highly contested field with Adley Rushman and Bobby Witt Jr. and some other guys, for that matter, as well. And J-Rod is the first player, in, or he's he became the fastest player to get to 15 career home runs and 20 career stolen bases. He did so in like 80 games. He's That's been awesome. amazing. And I think this is the coming out party for Julio Rodriguez. In fact, is if he... I had to make a pick, I'm going to pick him as my winner. Is he only 21? Yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> incredible. He's doing That's life pretty well. Good for him. <laughs> Who do you want next? Hmm. I'm going to say Soto. I would have I would have picked him next. That's a good pick. Soto's another guy. He likes this competition. He likes the event. And actually, I think he may have said something along the lines of he's had a better second half after the last couple years after participating in this event. So I think he said something about this event got him going last year. So I think he's the only one besides Pete that has is returning to the home run derby from last year. From last year, that's yeah, what I thought. Yep. Schwarber got to Schwarber got to the final in 2018. Uh, he lost to Harper. And that was the one in DC. And then I think a lot of these guys are new. I don't know if J, I don't know if J Ram's been in it before. Um, I'm going to take. So I get there's Pujols, Acuna, and J Ram. I'm gonna go with Acuna, cause ooh, okay. I guess I'm the actually no, that's a bad strategy. I'm gonna change my mind and I'm gonna go with Jose Ramirez because if I have Acuna and Alonzo, one of those guys is gonna get out in the first round for sure. I need to better my chances, so I'm gonna go with Jose Ramirez. So you have the choice between. Pujols and Acuna. I think I'm going to go with Pujols. Okay. So you are going to stack the bracket and have two guys. Well, I mean, we both will for that matter, because I'll have Acuna. So, um, so you'll both, you'll have both those guys in that first bracket. Schwarber and Pujols. I think if Pujols won this thing, that would just be, I mean, I'm going to root for him to win. That would be amazing. Who's not rooting for Pujols unless you're like a huge fan of one of these other guys? Exactly. I think I wonder we'll have to pull up what the over under is on him. Yeah. If you're able to find that, let me know. I got too many tabs open. <laughs> over under. Um, I know he's he's going to want to put on a show, though. So he's probably the guy that. Uh, I don't know. I was going to say he wants it the most, but I don't, I can't, I don't know. Oh, I think Alonzo might still want it even more. <laughs> Guess what is uh plus 2000. 
plus 2,000 to win. So he's yeah. probably got the worst odds. He has the worst <laughs> odds. Uh, well, it doesn't help that he's got Schwarber in round one. If he can get through that, build a little momentum, that's that would be, oh my gosh. If Pujols won this thing, I will be so happy tonight. Like yeah. I'm thinking that I'm probably going to be tired and I might, t- I honestly could turn off when we get into the later rounds. But if Pujols is chugging along, there's no way I can go to bed. If he's in the final, I'm not going to bed early. No, of course. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's the icing on the cake. I mean, that's a one way to go out big. All right, Tabitha. So I know I, I have my mid season awards here. So I'm going to run through who I've got for each major award on the AL and the NL side. If you want to dispute any of them, go ahead. We'll start with, let's start with AL rookie of the year. I touched on it briefly. Julio Rodriguez. What more can you say? This guy has been outstanding. I think we're going to be talking about him by the end of the year. If he, if he stays on this path for the second half, which it looks like he will, we could be talking about an MVP finalist or maybe not finalist, but like top five in MVP voting and a guy moving into next year when MLB MLB network does their top 100 rankings. He could be in that top, top 11 to 20 range, knocking on the door of the top 10. I agree with that. Okay. So we Julio Rodriguez on the AL. So national league is interesting. There are two guys that, are really 1A and 1B, and that's Spencer Strider and Michael Harris, both of the Atlanta Braves. And I think Strider, just as a pitcher, has a greater impact on the game. I'd probably go with Strider's slight edge to him. But you mentioned the long odds on the betting. There is one guy as a dark horse who I think could end up winning this award, and that's Seiya Suzuki. Seiya Suzuki is a plus 1,200 right now. He just came back from injury. He's been back for about two weeks. And since coming back, he's batting 333. He plays exceptional defense. He's a great base runner as well. And I could see Seiya, if he stays healthy, having a great second half and coming in and win that award, especially if the Braves guys split votes. Because in 2016, you had Kyle Hendricks and John Lester taking votes from each other for the NL Cy Young. And then what happened? Max Scherzer ended up winning the award. I could see something like that. I think that's actually a pretty good value play. Um, I wouldn't encourage anyone to ever do that with their money. It's uh, not a good way to spend your money. But in terms of using that as a chip for someone who could be a dark horse, I think Saya could get there by the, by the end of the year. But if the season ended today, I'd say Spencer Strider. O'Neill Cruz has been a lot of fun to watch too, but numbers-wise, he's not there with any of those guys. Um, yeah, no difference on that. You're with me on that? Yes. Okay. Um, National League Man- oh, AL Manager of the Year, Aaron Boone. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy. Best team in the league, although they, they have faltered a little bit over the last 10 games, so it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of improvements they make to their roster over the next couple of weeks. I do think we're going to be kicking off the, they, we have kicked off the trade season, so we're going to see some more trades soon, but Aaron Boone, AL manager of the year. I agree. National league manager of the year stays in New York. Buck Showalter turning the Mets from pretenders to contenders every single year. 
They come in with so much hype. There's a lot of pressure. And right out of the gate, they were awesome. They've been great this whole year. Even last week with the Braves knocking on their door, a game and a half out of first place, they took two of three in a series that helped them maintain that National League East lead going into All-Star game or going to All-Star break. I'm going Buck Showalter. I agree. Yeah, I thought that was pretty easy. AL Cy Young, I know a lot of people are going to go Verlander, but Shane McClanahan has pitched more innings and has a lower ERA. And in my opinion, his role and his value to the Rays is more important than Verlander's because Astros have a great team. They have other really good pitchers. The Rays have a very young rotation. With Tyler Glasnow out, they needed someone to take that next step. I'm going McClanahan. Is McClanahan starting the All-Star game? Do we know who's starting? I believe he is starting. Good. Good. He should. So I'm going McClanahan. I totally agree on the, you know, the Rays have not had a pitcher throw enough innings to qualify for the ERA title since Charlie Morin in 2019. (laughs) So McClanahan is the seventh in the league in innings. So... (laughs) They've done so much with the opener and the short starts with their starting pitchers so that they can get short, uh, smaller arbitration numbers. And yeah, sorry, I interrupted. No, you're totally fine. His ERA is what? 1.71. Yeah. He's been phenomenal. National League Cy Young. I know a lot of people have talked about Tony Gonsolin uh, there's another one who's been in that mix. Corbin Burns gets talked about a lot. But Sandy Alcantara, to me, has been the best pitcher in baseball this year. He has been a workhorse since the amount of innings he's thrown. Pulling up the numbers right now. Um, Sandy Alcantara has thrown 138 innings. He's got the second lowest ERA in all of baseball, the lowest in the National League. He's a 176. That's 28 more innings than McClanahan. Um, he's an old school pitcher who's going deep into these games and has been a big part of why the Marlins are competitive. The Marlins are in the mix here. They're interesting. Um, so I'm going Alcantara. I completely agree. I've been watching him, especially with uh, with uh, Blade's hopefully call up. So I've been watching the, the Marlins here. AL and NL MVP. National League MVP, I think, is pretty easy. It's Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt. Yeah. And then AL suddenly got really interesting all of a sudden because Judge, his average has gone down a little bit. He's on a pace to potentially hit 60-ish home runs this year, which would be great. He could be the real home run king and have the real home run regular season record without the aid of any foreign substances. But... I mean, Jordan Alvarez is having a great year. We've got, but I, and he's another one. Devers is having a great year. Jose Ramirez. This is a very packed field. I actually think I'd lean at this point. Shohei Otani though. Otani is once again, he's been a top, top five, top 10 pitcher in the American league. And he's been, a very good hitter at the plate as well. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that's one that I, that was the hardest one for me to pick. I can agree. I think if, if we were to vote today, I think if, I think 
Aaron Judge would probably win, but I feel like the next half, I feel like Shohei Otani is just the dome. I mean, his ERA is 2.38. Um, he has 123 Ks. So, I mean, he's been dominant at the plate as well. So, I think he will probably reign as AL MVP. Yeah, at the at the dish, he's got 19 home runs, 258. 348 834 slash line um so he's giving you that in addition to being a top five top 10 pitcher in baseball did he not want to do the home run derby i don't think so i mean i'm sure they i'm sure they asked him why wouldn't you want otani in there he looked like last year it looked like there was a lot of pressure on him in that competition everyone wanted to watch Otani. He was the opening starter in that game. He did the home run derby the night before. I remember watching him in that home run derby and I just felt a little bad for him. It's like, man, this guy, it looks like he's trying to do a little too much here, but it's not like he wants it's he, he's a lot as asked of him. So I think, I think you're right. I think it was just the pressure. He felt like, you know, especially when he didn't even win his bracket, I felt like he, you know, was there was a lot asked of him. Yeah. So Tabitha, let's take a quick look at the standings here, where teams are performing on the American league side of things. The Yankees, once again, they have the best record in baseball. They've been great. They're cool. They've cooled down a little bit over the last 10 games or so. They did win their last two games heading into the break. Uh, They have a nice 13 game lead over Tampa. That surprised me. I did not think the Yankees were going to be this good. I thought Tampa would win the division once again. And a lot of people were on big on the Blue Jays, but the AL East has just been remarkable this year. Yeah, even the Orioles. I mean, look at they're at 500. I mean, even though, you know, this is just a dominant, you know, division. I think this is, you know, it took them. I think I saw the stat. It was, it took them about a hundred games to win 46 games and now their records 46 and 46. So, I mean, they're, you know, they're chugging along as well too. So their last, the last 10, they were eight and two. Are you in on the Orioles as a team that could buy at the deadline? They're three and a half games out of the third wild card spot. I think they may may get some. Uh, they may buy. I think they may buy. It's really interesting. This third wild card spot. What this does is they're going to be less sellers at the deadline. Last year, it was. I think with the five teams in each league, you had to make a clear decision of if you're in or out. The, some people were talking about the Braves as a team that could be out. And obviously we know how that played out this year. There are a lot of teams that are in that middle category where on the NL side, let's see. So right now, 49 and 43 are the Phillies. They're the third team in and you've got Miami five and a half games out from them. Well, San Diego's up two games on Philly. So normally if Miami would be okay, seven and a half, that's a long way to go. Five and a half feels attainable. It feels like you can do something with that. So I do think it's going to be very interesting because 
I think there might be teams that might want to sell because they know they can't win it this year, but they don't, they don't want to send that message to their fan base. They want, they don't want to upset the fans who might have some optimism here. What do you think about the Marlins? Do you think they're going to, you think they're going to buy or do you think they're just going to call up their prospects? I think they're going to, maybe they'll add like one guy or two guys. They're, they're going to make smaller moves identify a need or two but where they're at is very similar i wrote the wrote about this last week in my power rankings the marlins and the orioles remind me of each other they're in extremely competitive divisions it's going to be very hard to truly make a move to the top this year so if they buy both teams are making smaller moves they're trading not big prospects getting a couple stop gaps to help for this year maybe to create some more excitement for the fans going into next year. But going into next year, I mean, both those teams have so much young talent. Um, and a lot of guys who like with Baltimore, uh, they've had a couple pitchers who've been really good. Wells and I'm blanking. It. Oh, uh, Kramer. He's been really good. And no one was really expecting, had very high expectations for those guys. So, Going back to your original question, I don't think Miami's going to really risk anything. Honestly, Tabitha, I think we're jumping all over the place. I think Philly is a team that's going to regress in the second half. I think they've had a really nice stretch over the last couple months, but they lost Bryce Harper. They've had some other injuries. And really, I don't love their team, to tell the truth. I think the future is I think next year Miami's going to leap past. Philadelphia and they could do so in the second half actually for that matter as well. Very good. I think, I think you're right. I think Marlins have a lot of uh, some good talent. I think, you know, next year is going to be pretty telling when they bring those people up, they just brought up Max Meyer. Um, So they're, they're starting to bring up their young prospects. So I, I agree. I think next year is going to be the, definitely the big, telling point for them and hopefully jj gets up there pretty soon too yeah that's the hope (laughs) tabitha let's talk a little cubs here we're talking about trade deadline buyers and sellers i think there are some clear buyers and clear sellers on their number of teams that are in the middle there who maybe they just stand pat but it's harder for them to sell a lot of those teams maybe would sell um but they're, they might not this year. There are some clear sellers, though. The Cubs, Reds, and Nationals are all going to be selling. Maybe the Pirates move Will Bednar. Or, no, David Bednar. David Bednar. Will Bednar is his brother. Um, Arizona could has a couple pieces there as well. But who do you think? What do you think the Cubs are going to do here approaching this? So, Contreras is going to be no longer with us. I think... Frank Schwindel is gone. I think Patrick Wisdom's gone. And I believe Ian Happ. <laughs> I I honestly I actually don't think they'll trade Wisdom. Really? Yeah. I I don't really I don't think he's gonna get you that much back. And he's a he's a good guy to have around. He's pretty good defensively. Um I don't know. I think maybe you get a nice first half out of them next year and you sell them for more. I, I don't really, I think they're going to, they're going to maximize on Contreras, Hap, David Robertson, 
Scott F. Ross and Michael Givens. Those are really the trade chips. And then I don't think Schwindel is going to get you really anything. I don't know if anyone watched Schwindel. Like, I mean, someone would want him, but he's probably not going to, he's not going to start anywhere. Yeah. What about Hendricks? Yeah. Hendricks and Stroman are both interesting because I could see them going either way with both those guys. Hendricks is having a down year. If Hendricks was looking like his normal self, I think they would trade him in this spot because, again, you have to look about what is the Cubs' timeline. They're not going to be competing for a couple years here, and I actually think they're on a pretty good trajectory now having a clear plan to rebuild. Um, Nico Horner, Seiya Suzuki, those guys are the future. Those are are some of your building blocks. And what you want to do is you want to give opportunities to more young players to play, such as Christopher Morrell, Nelson Velasquez, um, Brennan Davis. We might not see him this year, but next year, um, Nick Madrigal, when he comes back, you want to see what you have in those pieces. And so for that matter, I actually think I'll get back to Hendricks. I'm going off. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little sidetracked here. I wouldn't be surprised if Jason Hayward gets DFA'd here in the second half. I was wondering about that. I just don't know with his big contract that, you know, put him, at least try to play him. I don't know. Do you, how does that work? Would they would, they would still be responsible for his contract, right? If you DFA him. So if they DFA him, they essentially put him on waivers. waivers. And if no one claims him, claims then him. they, they have that right. They can choose to put him in the minors, which isn't going to happen. Yeah. Cause and, he could be, he could be waived to the minors or they pay his contract and someone else can pick them for pick them up for free. And I think that's actually going to end up happening. I don't know when, but I just think again, in this situation, I feel bad for Hayward. He has not lived up to this contract, but he's a good guy. He's a good locker room guy. He obviously is probably having a rough time right now in terms of he signed say a Suzuki. He's not going to play right field anymore. You made that, clear to him before the season. And I think what you do is you, you sit him down and you say, okay, look, we've got some outfielders. We want to play. We want these guys to get reps. We want to see what we have in these guys. We're giving you the option here. Do you want us to let you go and you can sign with another team and you might not, you're probably not going to start on a competitive team, but you could go be a key piece on a team that's trying to win a world series as a fourth outfielder, defensive replacement, pinch runner. He can bring a lot of value to a team in that role. He could also try to go to a team such as if you're the Oakland A's, I don't know what their outfield looks like, but if you have an open outfield spot and you're not very good, you could pick up Jason Hayward for free and then try to flip him at the deadline next year. If he has a really good first half, um, but for the Cubs, I just feel like at this point, it's it doesn't matter about the money because they're not going to be spending a whole lot anyway over the next couple of years. They don't need to. His contract's up at the end of next year. And I would just feel bad for him to be sitting on the bench on this bad team when you're trying to develop talent. That would just be, I think that'd be really hard for anybody to be in that spot where it's like, we're developing guys who are going to replace you. We're not going to win a lot of games right now. I I kind of wonder if his DL trip right now is just they just gave him a vacation, honestly. <laughs> like <laughs> I always wondered that. You know, 
and you 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 know not to switch gears from Jason Hayward, but no. I do find it funny okay. that a lot of when you see especially pitchers when they have a really bad outing, they always subsequently have a so-called injury. You know, it could be you know a pinky or you know a an hangnail of some sort, and I notice that quite frequently. So I just wonder if it's like a mental thing, like, Hey, you know, you psyched yourself out, go take, you know, some time to like get your mind, you know, clear. Um, like you said, maybe he, maybe he's on the IL because he's taking a vacay. I mean, he, he probably, they probably just, if that's the case, they probably like Jason, we're sorry about this. Just go take a vacation, do something (laughs) fun. Like (laughs) who knows? I, (laughs) I agree. I think that he's kind of been a, his contract has been a sore, you know, like yeah. a, a sore subject with fans as well too. You know, he hasn't lived up to his hype and I think, you know, he's, like you said, we're trying to develop people. We're trying to develop young talent and, you know, he's kind of just taken a roster roster spot from these people. So maybe he needs to go to a team that, like you said, we DFA him. they basically get him for virtually nothing i think they actually get them for ten thousand. Ten thousand to these yeah. people is pennies so you know like you said you didn't know you know oakland's you know outfield you know decisions but maybe that's something that you know he can contribute to them or somebody else yeah he could go to the mets and be their fourth outfielder and he would play, he would be able to compete for another championship and be a part of that. And he's a good clubhouse guy. So he's going to, if he gets DFA'd, there's going to be plenty of teams that will take him, but I don't think it's a tradable asset right now. Like I, maybe, I mean, again, he's it'd be the same. not a tradable asset. There's no upside. Yeah. I mean, it'd, it'd be a same type of thing where the Cubs would have to pay the entire contract to trade him, but Again, I just I think he's probably going to be a guy who gets DFA'd maybe when Nick Madrigal gets back, and then you have you want to be able to play him and Morel because Morel's playing second base right now. Um, back to your question about Hendricks, this is a really thin pitching market. You're looking at Luis Castillo, Frankie Montas. Is there anyone else that's really a biggish name in terms of pitchers that we're hearing about being available, Tabitha? Not really. I mean. That I'm aware of. Yeah. And last year, Max Scherzer was available. And there have been some other big names available at the deadline. Yes. What about... Has anybody claimed Dallas Keuchel? I think he's pitching in Arizona right now. He was he was doing some stuff with the Diamondbacks uh, minor league team. And he got brought up and he didn't do very well in okay. his start. Yeah. I haven't heard much about him. Yeah, I think so. What the Cubs could do is if you're, it's not peak value for Hendricks, but everyone always wants pitching. If all these, a lot of these teams could use another starting pitcher, you're not going to get the big return on Hendricks as you would, but he is under cost club control for a few years. And that's a pretty affordable contract for a pitcher who's been extremely good over the course of his career so 
maybe the, I think they'll test the waters and see because it's it is such a thin pitching market. Maybe someone does give you a nice package for them. If the package is not there, you just hold on to them till next year. I think same thing with Stroman. I think if Stroman had been healthy, if he was pitching deeper into games, which he never really has been a guy who pitches very deep into games. Um, but I do think Stroman is someone that they're going to dangle here at the deadline. And if there's not an overwhelming offer, they'll hang on to him and try again next year because you think they'll deal him new out West somewhere. Yeah, I know uh, both. I mean, the Dodgers could use some rotational depth. Um, let's see. I think the twins could probably use some pitching. I think the Red Sox could use pitching. I think, do you think the blue Jays might try to get a pitcher? Oh, they'd left. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Astros. I don't use think like, we'll go back to the Blue Jays, though. Yeah. No, Strowman, definitely not. Hendricks, maybe. Um, Astros could be. I mean, they their top four is really good, and Odorizzi is. So that that feels like you just kind of pick up like a Keuchel kind of guy. <laughs> like you're, they're not going to make a big move, but a fifth starter. Um, I don't know if Seattle adds a pitcher. Their pitching staff's pretty good. Um, let's see. No on the Braves. I don't know about the Mets. Cardinals could use pitching. Cardinals could really use pitching. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be kind of scary to see Kyle Hendricks in a Cardinals uniform, though. <laughs> Wouldn't feel right. Yeah, that would be a little crazy. I know Stephen Matz you know, sign with the Cardinals and he's been struggling tremendously. So you're right. The Cardinals definitely need some pitching. If you could buy stock in the Cardinals or the Brewers who are only a half a game separate from each other, they have a, the, the, they have the same amount of wins and the Cardinals have lost one more game. Who would you take in the second half? Who do you like more? The Brewers. Why? Pitching. I would go Cardinals. Really? I like the Cardinals lineup more. Yeah. Okay. We're looking at it differently. Yeah, exactly. Um, They do have a run differential that's 40 runs better. They're plus 65 versus plus 25, which can be a good indicator for future results. Um, I've been kind I will say I've been slightly disappointed in both teams to be playing in the NL central when you have 56 games or 54 games against the reds, Cubs and pirates, and you're only six or seven games above 500. Not good. I think we knew going into this, that the, this, the national league central was going to be probably the easiest division thus far. I mean, so that really doesn't surprise me. They're all kind of, you know, middle of the line teams right now. A lot of them are kind of in, you know, rebuild, so you will. And then the AL Central would be the the American League counterpart. (laughs) That's another bad division, too. Exactly. The Central is just definitely the weakest division for both sides do you know the last time an al central team won a playoff series was uh i do not know but i'm gonna take a guess yeah 
let's say 2008. 2016 Indians. Yeah. I should have known that. (laughs) You, you, you knew that you were just, you're just trying to take a guess on that. Um, yeah, that's the last time they won a playoff series. So typically the AL central team gets dog walked in the, in the division series. Um, are you buying any of these AL central teams? I mean, I guess I'll, I'll, which of these three teams you got twins, guardians and white Sox. And there's only three games separating the Twins and the White Sox. Guardians are two games back. Which of these teams do you like the most in the second mm-hmm. half? Let me pull it up. The White Sox have won. I think they had a little four-game win streak. I think they've won like five of their last six. So they're going into the break playing probably their best baseball, baseball of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, who's, you know, kind of – Another snub was Jose Abreu. I mean, he's hitting like 300. He's, you know, he's been kind of going on a tangent here. And so I would say probably the White Sox are playing good baseball right now. You know, they have pretty good pitching. And then uh, I would say, I would say the Twins and the Sox. I'm going actually the opposite direction i'm going guardians i didn't think i'd be saying this coming into the year i didn't i was not a big believer in the guardians but what i like about the guardians is they have a really good pitching staff good bullpen good rotation i mean great rotation when it pitches well had a slow start uh tristan or trenton tristan tristan mckenzie i didn't realize he was having such a great year um They've got a really good rotation with Plesek and Quantrill and, uh, of course, Shane Bieber, too, for that matter. Um, So I love their rotation. I love their pitching staff. And what they do extremely well is they play great defense and they put the ball in play. So they have the highest contact rate, the lowest strikeout rate, and then they're second in all baseball and defensive run saved. And if I'm just looking at all of that, all of that evidence there, I know you put the ball in play well. You play great defense and you have a great pitching staff. That is the team that I'm actually going to. I would pick them to win this division. I'm not sold on the twins. I'm not sold on the white Sox. And actually I think it's interesting. I about a week ago, I was thinking about, could the white Sox actually be sellers here at the deadline? But the white Sox? My, yeah. But that's my take on the guardians. I like them. Hmm. Who do you think they're going to sell? I don't think they will now. I think it's going to be too hard. Uh, the fans are not going to be happy with it. But I, my thought was a few weeks ago, I was thinking, okay, if they have a bad month of July, they could trade Abreu because this is the last year of his contract. He's 34, 35 years old. And what you could do then is you could let Andrew Vaughn play first base, his natural position. And then you could make your outfield a little better. I think they need to improve significantly defensively, which is what the Yankees did from last year to this year. Last year, they were the second worst team in defensive run save. This year, they're the best team in defensive run save. They shook things up at third base, shortstop, catcher. Honestly, I think that that would be, if I was running the White Sox after this year, I would try to move Tim Anderson from shortstop to either second base or maybe even corner outfield for that matter as well. Um, And 
Andrew Vaughn filling the role at first base gives you a little more leeway and flexibility to change your roster up a little bit. What about getting rid of Gavin Sheets? Yeah. Rid of them? I don't, I mean, I don't think they're going to do much. I don't know what they're going to do at the deadline, but I don't think they're going to sell sheets. Could be someone they move. Uh, Burger is another guy that they could move in a trade like that. But I honestly, it, to me, it's like they might try to improve their roster in the middle of the year. I feel like it's more, it's going to take like from one season to the next, you're going to have to really change things up. I think they got to shake things up. I don't think a couple of trades, but their thought could be, I'm sure their thought is actually we're three games out. We've played bad baseball this year. Despite that, we're only three games out. What was that? And injuries, a lot of injuries. Yeah, a lot of injuries. Why can't we be like the Braves of last year? That's probably what they're thinking. So I don't think they're going to sell. I just don't know what move what move they make. And they may not. I don't think they're going to sell. I think they're going to maybe kind of stay the same. I think and then yeah. shake things off in the off season. Yeah, I think so too. Detroit Tigers, maybe the biggest disappointment in the American League. Yeah, very much so. 18 games below 500. They've been terrible defensively or offensively. Sorry. And, you know, it's funny. This is going to sound sad, but I was looking up to see other people's midseason awards. John Heyman had Javi Baez as the least valuable player. I saw that. (laughs) Poor Javi. I did. I mean, but he makes more money than Tim Anderson. I mean, he, you know, I think he, I think Javi realized that he should have taken the extension that was offered before the 2020 season with the Cubs and he didn't. And he wanted to sign before the lockout and he decided to go with the biggest contract that was offered him. I also think, you know, he's from Florida. So having the spring training here in Lakeland, you know, was probably pretty, you know, appealing to him. So I just think it's kind of weird because they don't get many fans. You know, Javi is somebody that, you know, he gets his energy and hype from the fans. So I wonder how that is. I mean, he hasn't been really playing all that much either he's been sitting the bench too so yeah poor hobby <laughs> i was at I mean, the he's tigers. making money so i'm not feeling he's, too bad yeah. <laughs> he was at the tigers uh i was at, i was at the, of course he was there i was at the Sox tigers game last sunday and poor Javi got booed by all these Sox fans and i was just like what did he do why is anyone booing him like he's not <laughs> You know, because <laughs> of the Cubs, you know, the Cubs yeah. and the White Sox rivalry, like, you know, people that. were shouting overrated at him. It, it just struck me as little, little, little harsh. You know, and I'm gonna, you know, say this I think even if you feel that way, I don't think that's, you know, these people are out here grinding, you know, they're playing 150 plus games, and, you know, it's they're under a tremendous amount of stress. I mean, you're going to always have those hecklers and stuff, but I will never, you know, say that or never yell or do any of that stuff. I think that's unnecessary. 
three teams in the American League that I will buy stock in going into the second half. I got three of them, one in each division. Cleveland Guardians, as I mentioned, Tampa Bay Rays. They have also been banged up a little bit with some injuries this year. I, I just I tend to bet on the Rays to do well. They might they're probably not going to win the division. They're 13, 13 games out. Um, I do like them the most of those teams. I could see Toronto also heating up as well. Um, but then the other one would be the Seattle Mariners. I like the Mariners the most out of those three teams. I do too. Yeah, the Mariners remind me a little bit of the Blue Jays from last year. Actually, I agree. I think they are kind of neck and neck. I I understand they have young talent with a little mix with some with some, you know, veterans, so I agree on that. I mean, the Marlins or the Mar- excuse me, the Mariners have won their last 10 games or no, they're 14. They've won 14? 14 in a row. 14 yeah, they in won a row. 14 yeah. in a row. So, I mean, you know, they're just going off on a tangent, so I uh, I agree. I think the the Mariners are, I'm betting some stock on the Mariners too. It's going to be funny because when they come back from the all-star <laughs> game and start playing, it'll have been like three and a half weeks since they last lost a game. Like that's a really long time. That is. Like that's Cardinals crazy. From last year. That's, Cardinals uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. That was nuts too. That is uh, crazy. What do we make of Texas? What are they going to do here? I don't know. Honestly, I was watching the draft last night. They they ended up picking Kamar Rocker, which was a real shocker. And hopefully it goes well for him and him and Jack Leiter reunited. It's a great story. Yeah. Hopefully it ends up working out well. But they lost a couple of their picks from their free agent signings from last year. They lost a couple of comp picks. Um because of because of Corey Seeger and Marcus Simeon, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Semyon, and also, I don't know if they lost a pick for John Gray, but I mean, they went from a year prior to that, bringing in Chris Young as their new executive, looked like a clear rebuild. And then after one year, just going, I wouldn't say going all in, but spending big, spending big on a few players, making a trade for Mitch Garver. And Anthony Franz comes on this show a lot. He's a huge Rangers fan. He had much higher expectations for the Rangers this year. He's still optimistic about them, but they're eight games below 500. Their pitching staff isn't very good. I mean, what 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 are the Rangers doing here? Are they going to try to sell? Are they going to try to ride this thing out? What's your read on them? I think they're going to just ride it out. I mean, they made a big splash during the offseason, clearly, and I think that you know, I think they're just going to kind of stay put. Um, I don't think they're really going to sell anything. I don't think they're going to do much. I think they're going to just kind of ride the wave and try to, you know, reassess as of next year. And then the other team similar to them in that division, the Angels. Oh, my goodness. The Angels have already fired their manager. They, they haven't made really any improvements since then. They lost three straight going into the break. And I mean, you've got one more year of Otani after this year. I know that it's it's blasphemous, but you could get a lot. A huge, you might get one of the, the biggest trade deadline package in trade deadline history if you trade Otani. They're they're not oh, gonna do it, yeah. but <laughs> if you I 
Yeah. So where, what is your take on that? Do you think that they keep Otani or do you think that, you know, he's, he's going elsewhere? I think the angels should just blow the whole thing up, start selling off pieces, do a true rebuild. It should, that's what it should be. Um, I don't know if that's what they'll do. We'll see. We'll see what Billy Epler does. I don't think they're going to, maybe they sell some pieces at the deadline, but when you have those two huge contracts in Trout and what Otani's going to be, which is probably going to be the biggest contract in baseball history, Brian Kenny did something on a show earlier this year trying to come up with what would Otani be worth. And he compared him to basically as Kevin Gossman pitching-wise. And Gossman's making 20, 25 a year. And then I can't remember who he compared him to offensively, but it's basically you got a twenty, a twenty million dollar bat and a twenty five million dollar pitcher, and you basically just add that up because he's fulfilling both those roles. So he's like a forty five million dollar a year player. That's what his AAV is probably going to be, um, and he's going to be a huge draw to the park. Now, I just I don't know. I don't know how you keep him. And Trout. Now, maybe Otani loves it there and he wants to stay there. Um, I, I don't I don't know. I don't think they'll trade Otani, but I am starting to wonder if Trout could be on the table in the near future. I don't think Trout is. I think that Otani would most likely. And I think if he was to get traded, I think he would be traded to the Dodgers because he actually, Otani actually wanted to be a Dodger. He wanted to obviously he he that's what he said he wanted to but i don't think they wanted him as a two-way player well yeah he he couldn't dh he wanted to be able to dh um yeah but now that doesn't matter because exactly yeah yeah so i'm pretty sure that rule was written strictly for him (laughs) so i I mean, I know it was kind of coming out like, you know, they've been saying this for a number of years and it finally, you know, it's the DH is in both, you know, leagues. So, but I also think that he may, you know, he may become a daughter. Maybe he'll become a Met. Who knows? It's going to be, it's going to be very interesting because I just think when you hit, when you go to, when he approaches free agency in a year and a half. It's not you want to keep Otani, but you're not going to win anything with those two huge contracts on your team. They already and they have they have Rendon is owed a lot of money. Justin Upton was owed a lot of money for a while. I I think they just kind of need to tear it all down. But let's see who who else would you on the National League side of things? Let's let's take a look at the NL side of things here. So you've got Mets and Braves. Two and a half games separate them. And then I'm going to chat with a lot of Phillies fans. And it was so funny. Like a few few weeks ago, they're like, we're going to catch the Mets. And they're eight and a half back. I Again, I don't think the Phillies, maybe the Phillies get in as a as that third wildcard team. But I don't think they're, they're too bad defensively. I don't <laughs> think they're a legitimate contender. But I think this Mets-Braves race is going to be great down to the wire. Which of these teams do you favor? I would say between the Mets and the Braves. Yeah. Unless you like the Phillies or the Marlins, but no, I would say, I think the Mets are going to be pull it out. 
the Mets, that's why I think Buck Showalter needs to be that manager of the year. I think it's a lot of those old school managers have been undervalued. A lot of teams have wanted to bring in these new wave managers, guys who really don't have as much experience and it's their rookie job and they tend to work more with the front office and just kind of do the front offices, do whatever the lineup cards, the front office wants. Um, but take a look at Buck Showalter, take a look at Dusty Baker and how those guys are getting it done in their, this, this is Buck's like fifth different job. And this is Dusty's maybe his fourth job. So no, this is his, Dusty's fifth job, I think. All right. NL Central, you like the Brewers. I like the Cardinals. Um, and then the West. Three weeks ago, or whenever I had Bob Nightingale on four weeks ago, Bob was excited. Be, well, he wasn't excited, but I was excited for Bob because Bob picked the Padres to win the division. And at the time they were tied. And just like that 10 game lead Padres are doing are showing signs of what they've done in the past couple of full seasons. We had last year just completely tailed off at the end of the year. And then they haven't put together a whole season yet. We haven't seen it for 162. And then you've got the giants. Neither of those teams are going to win the division, but they're both in the mix for a wild card. What are your thoughts on these teams out West? I think the Giants are going to be buyers. Do you think at the? Do you think they're? Gonna I think be they will too. Yeah, I think they're going to be buyers. I think the Padres are going to make a run for it too. Oh yeah. Um, I think the Giants have been playing better baseball. Um, you know, the last time they've been seven and three, so I think that they're going to come in and let's look at their. They're facing as you pull that up. The Giants last couple weeks, people were talking about is this team that's going to sell? They were in a position to sell two years ago and they didn't. I thought that going into last year, they'd be selling, rebuilding, but they've been finding ways to compete and stay competitive at a time when people think they're going to sell based on how far on Farhan Saidi has managed that team in the front mm-hmm. office. And this may have no correlation, but I think it also does. You know, if you ever look at the debt of each organization, the Giants has one of the best run organizations. They have no debt. So with that, I mean, I feel like you're able to keep those big contracts. I mean, they're, you know, they've had veterans there for a number of years. I feel like they're going to, I feel like they're going to make a big splash here. Maybe their owner should run the country and we can get out of debt. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. They have to do that. And there's some other ones, you know, the Cubs, you know, switching gears here, but the Cubs have the most debt, you know, with all the, you know, with all the renovations that they've been doing for the last couple of years. So, you know, I think that's a factor into you know, that's definitely a factor of who they're going to, you know, bring on as contracts come in. So the Cubs, it's so interesting because they renovated it and then they must, I don't know if they miscalculated how much stuff was going to cost, but in 2020, they lost, they were the, probably a the team that lost out on the most amount of money because 75% of their money comes from the game day experience. 
Wrigley Field is a draw. People come out and have some beers and have some hot dogs and come out to games. They had a whole year they couldn't make any money that way. I think that really set them back. The thing that's funny, though, about their renovations, I was going to mention this when we were talking ballpark food. I love Wrigley. I think it's the, it's my favorite ballpark to go to. I don't know why Wrigley doesn't have better food, though. Like, mm-hmm. there's better food at the White Sox games. Sure. I don't get it. What do you get at the White Sox? White Sox, uh, Beggar's Pizza, which I don't know if you're, you could probably ask your parents about Beggar's Pizza. It's a, it's a South Side. Um, although your parents aren't South Side, were they? They're from, yeah, what's kind of funny, they're actually from the suburbs um, of Oak Lawn, which is the South Suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. So they should know Beggar's Pizza. Beggar's Pizza is great. They don't have it up here on the North Side at all. So mm-hmm. I only, I've only ever had it at White Sox games. They got good deep dish and thin crust. Their thin crust is a great. And then when I was there, they had this like, it was called the heater. And it was this sausage with uh, like cheddar and jalapenos and um, some sriracha mayo and maybe like some sauerkraut or something like that. It was it was great. I lo- oh no, coleslaw, coleslaw. Oh, that sounds so good. Now you're now you're making me hungry. <laughs> well, it is probably about lunchtime for you. I know you got to run here. Um, is there anything else that what like in terms of teams that have? really surprised you this year positive and negatively is there anyone that sticks out um like we said i think the mariners have really surprised us i know you know last year you know like you said they're kind of like the blue jays i feel like the mariners have taken that step and the blue jays have really you know kind of went backwards i think that you know a lot of people you know you know social media has been saying like fire charlie montoya yeah we didn't even get to that wow (laughs) yeah no i think um yeah you know i think the we haven't you know the players haven't you know the blue jays haven't been playing to their full potential they had some you know injuries with um with uh pitching and with you know so I think that, you know, Vladdy hasn't been playing to his potential. Bo hasn't either. I think, you know, I don't know if it had anything to do with the shortened um, spring training. You know, these guys are younger. You know, it takes a lot, lot longer to get more reps in and more of a rhythm and a tempo. So I think that, you know, I think Atkins... I think it's Atkins, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. The new guy. Yeah. I think he's going to definitely make, you know, a splash with, with, I think they're going to go all in, you know, they're definitely a contender for, you know, maybe not this year, but I think in the next five years, I think that they're going to win if they keep those, you know, solid pieces, if they can rope in, you know, Vladdy with a contract, a long-term contract and bow and, you know, build around that, you know, they have Matt Chapman. I think that was a dire need. We needed a third baseman. Um, so I think, you know, if they can get on a, you know, on a roll and start playing good baseball, I think that, you know, they can, they can be a, you know, contender for sure. And they did last year in the second half. They had a great second half last year. So maybe they're the opposite of the Padres. They're the second half team. 
And if the Padres could just put it all together for one year, their fans would be very happy. I think so. And like you said, they did the second half, you know, the Blue Jays were pretty slow in the first half of last year and they, you know, were performing the second half. So hopefully that's the case this year. I mean, they missed it by one game. I mean, so I think, you know, let's just start playing good baseball. Is there one thing when you look at the standings right now and you think that's going to look a lot different by the time we get to the end of the season? I think I think the NL East is going to be interesting. I think that's going to be an interesting ride. Um, you know, I think the Mets are going to stay kind of going off. I think they're going to win their division, but I think the Braves are going to give them the money, you know, a run for their money. I think the Braves and the Cardinals are both going to win their divisions. I think we're going to look at then the Mets and the Brewers in the wild card game and, or not wild card game. I'm so used to that. So those are two of your wild card teams. And then it's going to be interesting. I don't know if I really, I mean, I would go see San Diego, but I'm kind of scared of them doing the thing that they've done over the last couple of years. I kind of like San Francisco to tell the truth, even though I thought they had, obviously they're not, they've taken a step, or two back from last year. Kind of like San Francisco. I will say this. If the Padres don't make the playoffs, AJ Preller's got to be done. I would, I mean, I'm not saying I think he should be. I just think he probably will be the amount of moves he's made, how much he spent to basically have a small market team go over $200 million and not make the playoffs. Um, He'll yeah, be done. I think so. So for his own sake, I hope they get in. Um, Giants can be okay if they don't get in. They'll be okay moving forward. They great front office. So, yeah, I'm not entirely sure who that third team is. Maybe it's the Phillies or, heck, the Marlins. I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, if you want, like, another sleeper. I would not be shocked if the Marlins were to be that third team. That would be awesome. (laughs) And then uh, in the AL side, I think you're going to have – Yankees in Houston, those two divisions are locked up. I'm yeah. going Guardians in this AL Central, and then I'll go Rays, Mariners, and Blue Jays. I think the wild card will stay the same. I like, I really like all three of those. Although, I mean, Boston, Boston and Baltimore, and the White Sox, the Twins, like it's going to be a heavily contested third. Or I mean, actually, the, all those wild card spots are pretty close. So if there's a, it's probably a good thing that we added this extra wild card to the AL because last year we could have, we came close to having a four way tie for the two wild card spots. We did. So I think it's going to be good. It I will be it's good. Be interesting. The second half and I I'm ready to watch. Cool. You have a bold prediction. A any bold predictions for the second half? I'm going to give mine. I think Seiya Suzuki is he's going to win the National League Rookie of the Year. That's my bold prediction. I don't have any bold That's predictions. Fine. I didn't I didn't ask you to come prepared for a bold prediction <laughs> or hot take, so. Yes, <laughs> no, I don't. All right. Well, Tabitha, this was awesome having you on talk some ball with you. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug or promote while you're here? Do you want people to follow you on social media? Do you want to stay private? 
there anything you want to promote? You can follow me on social media. I only have Instagram. I got rid of Twitter. It's Tabitha Bingham, T-A-B-I-T-H-A, my last name, B-I-N-G-H-A-M. I am private. I don't post a lot on of baseball content. However, you're welcome <laughs> to follow me. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, this was awesome. So, yeah, I think this this next half is going to be fun to watch and I can't wait to, you know, talk to you offline off them. <laughs> well, you crushed it, Tabitha. Great job in your podcasting debut and maybe we'll have you back in the future. That would be great. All right, y'all. That concludes our all-star break conversation. MLB at the midway point conversation with Tabitha Bingham. Great having her on here. Uh, I don't think she had ever done a podcast before. Knocked out of the park. Hope you guys could see that she loves baseball and is very knowledgeable about it. Um, was a lot of fun talking with her. I've always wanted to have her on and hopefully we'll have her on again sometime down the road. Okay. If you guys missed our last couple episodes, make sure you check those out. We had Coach Ben Wade, the Dragon Slayer, Jessica McCain, France, from the real world, the challenge, and now a AAA wife. Um, really great episodes. Can't recommend them enough. We're going to have more content coming soon, more great guests to be announced. We're going to speak with either this week or next week. We're going to have Shanna Zolman on who played at the University of Tennessee Women's, uh, the Lady Volunteers, 2006. She started on that team that won national championship alongside Candace Parker playing for Pat Summit. Uh, she'll be great. She's one of the best to ever lace them up in the state of Indiana. So, and she's also a Christian. So that's going to be a great conversation. You guys are not going to want to miss out on that. Make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita show and log on to jackvita.com for more content. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Jack Vita show, facebook.com slash Jack Vita show, youtube.com slash Jack Vita. And until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita bringing the dancing lobsters. <laughs>